Welcome to the Modern Gen X Woman podcast, where we're talking about the X factor modern women bring to work and life. I'm Jackie Gadeen. And I'm Amy Bishop. We're decoding the DNA of success, and we're doing it with flair, attitude, and a sprinkle of badassery. Get ready for candid conversations, untold stories, and a dose of unfiltered inspiration. Because in this space, the X factor isn't just a variable. It's a force that reshapes the narrative. Let's reimagine what it means to be a modern woman, a modern professional, and a modern leader. Hating your boss can be worse than hating your spouse. It's one of those things where it ripples into everything that you do. It's no wonder most people leave their jobs not because they don't like the work they're doing. They do it because they don't like who they're doing it for. In this week's episode, we're talking about what you do when you hate your boss. Hi, Mimi. Hey, Jackie. I hate my boss. I hope not. Because I'm kind of your boss. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> Hello, ladies out there. So I have to tell you if You're I You're not had the a, boss of me, Jackie. I'm not. We're not. We're, <laughs> we actually hold each other accountable without being bosses. But it would be interesting if, if the... If we expanded the business so much that one of us had to take the CEO role, mm. quote unquote, like that yeah. would be really interesting because because I don't feel I feel like we're truly equal. And actually, we're so equal. It's like something that Mimi's really, really like leads the charge on. I fumble with and vice versa. Yeah. So I feel like there's I, really an equality of power. Yeah, I think. Even if we ever, I can't imagine, I think we'd have to be like co-CEO and not for any other reason, but because we're just so divided in what we tackle Yeah. also. Unless I'm the CSO and you're the COO and there is no CEO. We could do that. All right. Anyway, so (laughs) if you hate your boss, I have to tell, right, we do this all the time. How many times have we heard, I hate my boss, my boss is an ass, he's toxic or she's condescending. The boss situation is one of the most difficult situations that we have to deal with in business. Now, we're talking about this. We come at this podcast as women for Modern Genetics Women Podcast, but it doesn't matter if you're a woman, if you're a man, this whole concept of a toxic boss is so threatening to our own well-being. So I at, at, at any given time, no matter how many clients I have, I would say at least a quarter of them have some sort of dysfunction with their boss. Now, it may not be to the level of I hate my boss, right? but there's a lot of either not seeing eye to eye, not getting direction, not ha- being micromanaged, not being managed. Right. And it causes all of these emotions within us. And the thing that we need to recognize as women is how that really can hurt us because it really just demoralizes us and ruins our self-esteem. Yes. That's the big problem. That's one of the biggest problems here. Oh, without a doubt. I remember there was a situation that I went through many, many years ago and I hated my boss. I hated him. And I left And it took me a very long time to recover from that. But looking back, I could see where I misstepped along the way. And really, at the end of the day, I let my emotions get the best of me. And I made it all about who I was versus the work. And I think that's the slippery slope that women especially can fall into, where we sometimes 
are programmed to look for validation outside of ourselves. And the workplace is a great place for that. And then either we're overworking or, you know, we just, we outsource our worth on our boss to a certain extent. So that can be a problem. But also, like Jackie said, sometimes it's not a matter of the boss being toxic or just a jerk, but them not being a good communicator. And then that causes all sorts of problems also, because you feel like you're always, you can't get anything right because you're not getting the instructions correctly, yeah, right? That so is that's true. a big problem too. Uh, you said something really interesting. You said many of us look for validation outside of ourselves. And a lot of times that's at, with the with our boss. And I want to I want to pause here because this is really important and and quite frankly timely because I have we have a client who um, who we were working with I think it was about four months ago and she had really taken a hit in her confidence because her boss consistently told her everything she was doing wrong consistently. It was, you're not doing this project right. You're too slow. You're too analytical. You're not efficient. And it was, there was always an issue. And it got to a point where she said, I, I might have to quit because I don't know if I can, I don't know if my confidence, my self-esteem can tolerate this right? because I'm getting no, I'm not getting anything that makes me feel worthy. And so one of the things that we really worked on was how, how do you go either above to the right, to the left or below your boss to get your validation? Because yes, we need validation from within, right? but when you're doing a job, you need to know you're doing the job right. Mm. And if our boss isn't the person who is going to acknowledge the inputs and the work that we're doing and the output and the results that we're getting... Most of the time, there's someone on the team who does see what you're doing, right? So maybe it's a colleague, maybe it's the boss, like this woman had the head of a different department who couldn't stop raving about her, but yet she couldn't get any accolades from her direct boss. So really, one of those things to think about is where else can I get validated? Right. And if it's not my boss, I like I and I need to feed my worth. I need to find it from somewhere so that you don't collapse within yourself, right? In your confidence, because what happens when we do that is not only do we not show up in that job the right way, which almost proves the point of the boss, whatever the point. Of the yes. Boss is making. Well, then it starts to like just kind of spiral, yes. right? Because it's replaying itself. Right. And and then the other side is if you want to leave, you have no confidence in your ability or capabilities to leave and succeed someplace else. Right. Because you you've taken on this persona of being someone who's not good at their job. And that is really hard. And I think, you know, the one thing nobody talks about, actually, we don't even talk about this. And it's just dawning on me like, we have as leaders of an, or, an in an organization of any kind we have a responsibility to not demoralize and demean people so that they are lacking confidence like if i have if i am in a position of power right people say this all the time with power comes responsibility if i'm in a position of power you can choose to use that power for good or bad right oh, if yeah, you're a super, is- if you have superhero you can choose to use that superhero strength for good or bad. And I have to tell you, I want to use it for good, but 
not everyone wants to do that. Like some people let that power get to them and they want to use it to bring people down instead of bolstering people up. Well, I think when we first started, I was thinking about this on the way over, actually, Jackie, like there's so much emphasis now on psychological safety and creating that in the workplace. And that's where the confidence piece builds in. But this is a very, very new concept. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, when I first started, that's how they managed by fear yeah. and by breaking people down. Right. And so it's, and a lot of it's a holdover even, and I'm going to say this, I've talked about this before. I went to Catholic school and I'm telling you, I am sure I am in therapy because of some of the nuns I had, they were mean, they would cut you down in front of people. That was the culture. Right. And so that is you know, the culture was that in elementary school and to a large extent, that's how the corporate structure was set up until fairly recently, right? So this is like really eye-opening to people in that this is not, when you're a leader, it's not just about getting the job done. It's about creating a culture where people can flourish so they can get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you do that? But again, there are lots of places or instances, you may have a great company, but the boss is just, you know, I've been reading a lot on toxic personalities and narcissists, right? They're very, very intentional at making themselves look amazing, right? And yet they could be horrible to work for, but they are gaslighting everyone around them. So they the word's not getting out and you think you're the one insane, right? So this is a very common kind of situation where we we have this. So it's how do you start to build your self-respect and your self-worth back while you're dealing with all of that. It's hard. I agree. It is. It's really hard. And and I want to kind of take a step back and I want, as you're listening to this, it is so easy when we are feeling like we hate our boss to put all the blame on them. So I want to kind of talk a little bit about this because when you feel like you hate your boss, you I you lose agency. You be- lose agency. Because you're putting it out there like, my boss is a jerk. He's a narcissist or she's a narcissist. And that's just the way it is. And that now you become a victim. Of right. That. Or your fate or whatever that reason is. But we really need to stop and think about and really understand the dynamics of what is happening in that relationship, right? Because that is a relationship. Mm -hmm. And every relationship has different dynamics. So taking time to evaluate the relationship, okay, what is it that makes me feel like I hate my boss? What is actually happening? Because what happens when we say I hate my boss or my boss is an asshole, my boss is a narcissist or whatever we want to say those are blanket statements. And when we start blanketing statements like that, we stop seeing things for how they really are. So it is incumbent upon us to say, what is it that's happening? Why is there a dynamic here? Maybe his or her personality is X, mine is Y, and they clash. Maybe I'm an extrovert, they're an introvert, and they think I'm too much, and we clash. Maybe the way they manage is hands-on micromanaging and I need complete autonomy, right? Maybe I'm not getting recognized. Maybe they're unfair and they show favoritism, but we need to really dissect the situation because there will be a common thread across it. 
it's not going to be, they suck at everything. That's right. really not the reality. It's going to be some major thing and it could seep into other things, but usually there's a core. And the reason why we need to find the core of why there is such a, a um, like a struggle in the relationship is because only from the core, right? We talk about this all the time. Only from the core can we take something and, and get the root out. Otherwise we're just attacking it from the top and that weed's going to continue to grow. So we need to figure out how to rip the root out. Exactly. And you need to be very clear on what that core is because what that core does also is it creates a lens of everything that you look through, right? Okay. So your boss that's a jerk may be a jerk, a jerk, mm-hmm. but there might be something that you can really learn from that person by the way they, a skill, right? And so, or when they are giving you feedback, if you're taking it from the perspective that this person's a jerk and they're out to get me, that's how every single interaction with that person is going to be. So the goal here is to really try to get clear on what that core is so that you can start to extract it because then this way you're not always playing defense, Right. Like, so you're in there, you're going, like, you know, like you have your boundaries set, but you're not always on the reactive. You're not always charged, highly charged. And it's, you know, the person does the slightest thing and then you get triggered because your brain has it that this person's against me and, you know, they're a jerk and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I think you're onto something big here, which is every relationship is two sided. So, what is our own role? in that relationship as well, right? So how are we, um, what are the actions or attitudes that we can change in order to try to foster a different and better relationship? Correct. So if our boss is saying to us in feedback that we are uh, too literal and, or you need everything spoon fed and you're getting mad then what you might want to do is say, okay, well, what does it mean not to be, how do I take agency and ownership of this project without them telling me you need to do A, B, C, and D, right? Some of this may be that that what we are good at is not really what they need and we're not recognizing that or the way that they work is not how we work and there's this gap, but we need to understand that. And we as employees and humans need to adjust as well. The adjustment can't only be on one side. Oh no. Yeah. It can't just be, we can't expect them to be like, yes, we're, you know, my boss is a jerk and they need to change. Everything is a relationship, which means that nobody is, is uh, unaccountable. Right. Yeah. And yes. Yes. So I also think that when we start to outsource it and we go back into that fair jerk and, um, and you know, kind of go into that victim right. mentality, which I think all of us can relate to, there also has to be, okay, this is the situation that I'm in. What am I going to do with it? Right. Right. And yeah. so when you look at it from that perspective, while it's very hard work, it also presents an opportunity for growth. So if you are someone who is a little bit more passive, this is an opportunity to set more boundaries. If you're someone who is um, tends to maybe go into retreat mode or passive mode, like that passive aggressive, this is an opportunity to work on that, right? So what do you need to put into place so that you can impart self-protect, but also make the best out of this relationship? And also manage your own expectations around it. And so what I mean by that is 
you know, you may not ever even like your boss, but how could you create a working relationship where the work is getting done and you're not getting the validation from that person? You may not even be getting the growth from that person, but what, what do you need to do to put into the situation where it's a much less emotionally charged situation that you've created? Because that's what it boils down to, right? When, when we're really unhappy with our boss, it's less about the work and it's more about the personality. And it's what is it bringing up for us? And where is it reflecting back on maybe a hard relationship we've had in our life someplace else? A lot of times the workplace is subconsciously a place where we're starting to, we're trying to work out those difficult relationships we've had. So where is this a place where it's kind of a mirror to another difficult relationship you've had in your life? And how could you use this as an opportunity to set a boundary around it or, or self-protect in some kind of way? Yeah. And I also think we need to assess, is this, am I being unfair with my expectations of this, of the boss, right? Or am I being, am I needing something of my boss that they aren't capable of? So I'll give you a great example. There was a client who had loved the startup world, loved the startup world, loved the startup world, joined a new startup, and the boss is running a bunch of different divisions, the CEO and running her division and four other divisions. And there's a lot going on. And she's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to spend my time. He's not giving me direction. He's not telling me where I need to go. And the frustration towards the boss really built up. And I was very clear, like, why are you not asking? Why are you not being direct in having this conversation and assuming that they're going to tell you instead of saying, this is the direction I need. And so she finally had that conversation and he was like, yeah, yeah, keep working on this, this, and this, this is what would, what, what our priorities are. And she said, well, but I think this is the priority. I said, either communicate that with him or just work on his priorities because that's what you're getting measured against. Right. So there's a little bit of you can blame other people, but if you have a very self-righteous way of wanting to do something and it doesn't align with your bosses, are they the jerk or am I the jerk? Right. And maybe nobody's a jerk. Just maybe not aligning. Just, right. But just not aligning. But, but right. But being ex- so like hard, hardly held on to that. Yes. That's where the problem seeps yeah, in. Yeah. And you also. And the friction because. The- you know, you want it your way and they want it their way. And that's where that divide is going to get wider and wider. At the end of the day, who cares? Right. And you want, who cares? And also the, the self-assessment also comes, what is the kind of boss that I can thrive under? So for someone like her, not having a number one who can be very clear in telling her what to do is actually not a great place for her even though she keeps finding herself in the same kind of role, I think what she wants and where she thrives are two different things. So she keeps finding herself with this gap, reporting to someone who has five different divisions as the responsibility as the CEO. And she's like, well, I'm not getting enough direction. She's not having that. You know, we talk about this. We were uh, on a conversation with someone and they said, I need to be told what to do and I'll go and do it. And it was like, that's great. But then you should never try to be the boss in the role. Right. right. You can't be the boss if you need to be told what to do. Right. You need to be able to, if you're the boss, you need to be able to 
determine what to do and then determine how to get it done. And those are two very different things. So really recognizing that what your needs are may not align with the position you're in. I love your that. needs may actually not be in alignment with what your boss can give you based on his or her responsibility. Right. So it's almost just, it's, it's amazing. Right. Not even, yeah. So not even, so what I'm hearing is like, be very clear on what's important to you and your values around what you want in a role and, and your values around what's important to you as you, as it relates to your Boss. So it's almost like, you know, you're looking for a partner or a spouse, right? What are the, the non-negotiables? Yes. And so you're, it's very similar to that kind of situation where you're really very clear on what's important to you and what's not important to you. What's important to Jackie may not be important to me. No. And you need to communicate what's important and you also need to listen. And my the, the biggest downfall of every relationship is communication. Oh, right. Comes down to communication. And one of the biggest drivers is not aligning expectations. So what does, what does success look like boss, right? To the boss, what does success look like to the employee? They should be saying to their boss, this is what success looks like. These are my expectations of you as a boss. And they're not doing that either. And then we expect everyone to be able to be mind readers. <laughs> right, right. What do you mean you didn't know? You didn't, it's, it's it, to your point, it's like being in a marriage. You can't get mad at your husband for not emptying the dishwasher if you didn't ask him to empty the dishwasher. Right. He'd be very happy to em- empty the dishwasher. But often we get mad because we think that we expect that I shouldn't have to communicate my needs and then my needs will be met. Right. And that is a very false circumstance and situation to be kind of a pattern that we, we, we take on, especially as women. We never ask for what we need, right. but we'll get mad when we don't get it. Right. So we have to ask for what we need. Right. There's if, a lot of anger that goes against that expectation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I want this to look a certain way. And when, and you know, a lot of times we need to recognize that this is a professional relationship and you don't need to be friends. Well, I think that's the big misconception. I think that we're looking for the workplace to be something that it really is not, not that it's not set up to be, but it does not have, there's no responsibility for the workplace to be your friend. The responsibility is to have a safe environment that you, and you get paid for the services that you provide. That's really their responsibility. They're really, if you want to bring it down to brass tacks, their only responsibilities. Now, is it nice to have a culture where people feel included and valued? Absolutely. And we know that cultures that are built that way have better results. Company, those organizations are more profitable. So that's why we exist. We go into organizations that are really struggling with their leadership or within specific teams. And we go in and we, we work with those teams to create more psychological safety. And that's, that's an important missing piece of the puzzle is how do you get everyone to communicate clearly, concisely, and listen to each other so you can build relational intelligence. Mimi, let's talk a little bit about some of the strategies that we can do to improve some of this. And we talked a little bit about that communication outlining expectations. But one of the things is, is how do you stop sweating the small stuff? So we talk about and train about on this all the time when we do leadership training and even one-on-one coaching, which is getting people to identify on a scale of one to 10, how big of a deal something is, right? So you get 
you your dog runs out of the house and he gets loose and you have to chase him around the neighborhood. That's a 10. Right. Right. I, he might get hit by a car. He might collapse. He might get lost. I might never find him. But your dog peeing on the, the floor, that's a three. Right. But we I, act as if it's a 10. This is the best analogy. <laughs> Maybe because right. I have dogs. Right. But, but we it's act true, as though. It's we act as Right. And that's what happens, I think, when we go approach these situations from more of that victim mentality, right? They are the other, the jerk, mm-hmm. well, and uh, poor me. Then we are stepping into a an environment where everything is charged. Everything is charged. So the dog looks at you funny yes. and it's a 10. Yes. Right? Like, yes. And there are some days that it's like that. But when you are in the work environment and you have a not, and if you and you don't have a strong relationship with your boss, if he comes in and says, I need you to fix this paragraph, it's a little confusing, you're going to go fly off the handle. Right. Or take it as a personal attack you know, on he your self-worth. He thinks I'm a terrible writer. He doesn't respect all the other work I did. He didn't say the or other be, stuff was bad. Or beat he yourself just, up for right. being a bad writer. Right. So we just need to see things for how they are. Let go of the small things. And I'm not saying real microaggressions. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking the small things that you want to blow out of proportion because you want to prove your point that he or she is a bad boss. And yeah. Well, that's you, an ego We can thing. all yeah. find that, right? Yeah, we can yeah, all find that. We, we need to not do that. Yeah. So Mimi, what's another strategy for improvement that everyone can listen to? Well, I think it's having your support system too, right? So if you keep looking for the validation in your boss that you are subconsciously seeking or you know, you feel like you really need to prove your worth, I think we've already established that it's probably not going to come from that person. And so this is where mentors in or outside of your organization, uh, women or professionals in different roles, right? That can give you that kind of feedback and support and not the people that are going to go down the bitch rabbit hole. I right? was going to, I was just writing that, to right. say, be careful that right. you don't, we find don't, that's not what we, right. That's not what we're talking about. Like, Good. cause we can find the complainers. Everyone loves to complain. That's not productive because that's just going to keep you where you are in, in that thought spin of just being angry and upset. And we don't want that. We want someone who will gently either say, shake it off, right? Like my cousin, I adore my cousin. If I have like a bad day about something, she'll be like, shake it off. And you need someone to say that every once in a while, right? So either shake it off and move forward because where you, you know, complaining about it is not helping or to lend a different perspective or show you what's possible or give you creative solutions. So having those people, whether they are a mentor, a coworker, um, part of a networking organization, right? Just where you can get other professional feedback and perspectives could be incredibly helpful in shifting your focus. And one of the things I really want to emphasize as we're coming to the end of this of this episode is when we feel frustrated with our boss and we just feel like we're backed into the corner, we feel like we can't do anything right. One of the best things we can do for our mental health is to understand what our options are. When we see our options, no matter if we act on them or not, it actually opens up that possibility and makes us feel less stuck. So if you are feeling as though you can't win with your boss, then explore what your possibilities are. Maybe I can look at 
look for a new job. Maybe I could stay within the organization and move to a different department. Maybe I can find a buffer between me and the boss so I don't have to deal with him or her so often. But it's right. right, It's finding those options because options actually free everyone's. It's like, it's like seltzer. You know what yes. I mean? Like when you open the cells, like you're not going to re- open that cap and it explodes all over the place, right? But options are like loosening that cap just a little bit yep, so the, the pressure, pressure releases. Cooker. That's yeah. exactly right. You totally drink a lot of seltzer. Yeah. Well, my father, that was always my father's analogy when I was getting stressed out. And when I, he would see me getting stressed out, stressed out he goes, seltzer, seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because a lot of times people's first reaction when they're going through this kind of scenario with their bosses to is to exit. Yes. And there may there may be times to leave. I do feel that if you don't figure out how to deal or adjust or manage it, the where you go, trouble follows. And yes, I, I go you, wherever wherever you are, there wherever you go, there you are. Right. And <laughs> I can tell you how many clients or colleagues or friends have had difficult relationships with either a boss or a coworker. And because they didn't work them out, they almost take that relationship with them and they'll seek out that same type of person. Sure, the same dynamic. And that same dynamic will start all over again. So it really is, it really does behoove you to figure out a way to manage through it and get to a place of understanding. And I will tell you, it's much more possible than you think. Because I have had... I could tell you stories. I had a situation with a colleague that I thought we would never be able to get to the other side and we did. Okay. And so you can, but you have to be open to it. And you also have to, you have to want it. You have to want to let go of your belief that he or she is an asshole. Yes. And that's exactly it. And most people don't want to because it's a blame game, right? And if we just stop blaming and we start taking ownership for our part in any relationship, we can we can alleviate the and, and the truth is sometimes that person is really, really, truly a jerk. But then again, you have to say, you know what, this person's got a, a problem that's and problem. that's, this is on them yep. and I'm not going to, I'm going to remove myself from the, the mental engagement yeah. with them. Yeah, that's exactly. You know, and so it's, it's not just saying that, you know, you have to change your, your attitude. You do, again, you have the agency to make that decision right? To be like, hey, this is what this person's about. I don't agree. And that's their thing. And this is the way I'm going to approach it. So that's what you can do to approach it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, ladies. So we know how many of you have toxic relationships with your boss. Let us know. We'd love to hear Jackie at moderngenxwoman.com. We've had some great feedback about our Valentine's Day episode, which was all about the vagina. And so if you haven't listened, you notice how Jackie just loves to to say that word. Vagina. Uh, Go back and listen to Dr. McNally because it was funny, fun, informative, enlightening. And thank you to each and every one of you who have given us a review, who have reached out to us and who are appreciating what we do with you guys every single week. And one last announcement, if you haven't already done so, mark your calendars and come to Long Island, New York for June 11th for the Reimagine Conference where Mimi and I are putting together an incredible day filled with inspiration, action, and connection so that business can get done. So the Reimagine Conference, June 11th, Long Island, New York, 
be there. Early bird tickets are on sale now. Yeah. See us live. (laughs) All right, ladies. Until next time. Cheers cheers to your magnificence. magnificence.